will be over there. It'll kick off tomorrow morning and Friday morning at 8.30 with breakfast, 8.30 to 9.30. Come eat breakfast with us. Enjoy it. Uh, it's going to be absolutely wonderful, I know, and there will be plenty, I promise. And then from 10 to 12, we'll have times where we share two different speakers. It's going to be very casual. I know when, I, it, when it's my turn to speak, I'm going to ask if there's any questions. I would like to hear that from it. Uh, so it's going to be way more casual. You can sit there with your coffee. Just come and be with us in that. And then each evening, we're going to come in. We're going to worship the Lord, and we're going to hear the Word of God preached to us, and we're so excited about that. And with that being said, I want Dale to come around, just give us a little bit of his heart for the meeting, and then introduce our first preacher. Thank you, brother. So good to be with you. Man, I am so excited about this meeting, so thrilled to be here, and uh, been looking forward to this for so long, and uh, been praying, been praying. And uh, I hope you uh, wrote down <laughs> what your pastor just said. We miss out on the worship because we don't take time for the word. And I hope you didn't miss that. And that, that was amazing. And uh, write that down, put it in your Bible, because that's exactly what this meeting is about. It's about the word of God. And uh, we understand this. We're Christians. So our doctrine, and that's just what we believe, our doctrine is not Baptist doctrine. It's Bible doctrine. There's a reason we believe what we believe. It's not because of a church sign. It's not because, thank God for your heritage. If it's a good heritage, thank God for my grandfather and my father that taught me all these wonderful things. But if my grandfather taught me something that wasn't in the Bible, my grandfather was wrong. We stand on the Word of God. And the, Brother Steve, my grandfather was from over in Kirksville, West Virginia. And he was free will Baptist, and he had most things right, but he had a couple things wrong. And, uh, but my father learned what the Bible said. So that's what this meeting is about. We want to emphasize the Word of God. And uh, last year, God blessed this meeting tremendously, and uh, it was such a great place to be. And uh, so we want, to, we want to just advance this meeting. We have some uh, men of God here some preachers that you're going to love. Many of you know Brother Jake Potter already. He was in this area for many years or close to this area. And uh, everybody knows Brother Kogan. And uh, God is blessing his church tremendously because he's preaching the Bible, preaching the Word of God. And uh, you will not want to miss Brother Stephen Cox. He's going to be preaching the sessions, all of these. And then Brother Mike will be having a session. All of these come together. And let me just make this statement. God brought all this together. So I don't want to miss what God has done, what God wants to do. And uh, so we emphasize everywhere we go anyhow. And uh, certainly I've been criticized for it, and that's okay. This is, not a, this is not a meeting to criticize other preachers that may not want to do it this way. That's not what this is about. Though we, isn't it a strange thing? You're, you're considered liberal when you just preach the Bible. That's a strange day we're living in, isn't it? And, uh, but if that's what that means, well, count me in because... We believe the Bible. We stand on the Word of God. And uh, I thank God for that. So this whole meeting is about the Word of God and the lifting up the Lord Jesus Christ through the Word of God. God lifted up His Word. And uh, that's, that's a good, good emphasis. So we want to do that. And uh, tonight we're excited about Brother Jake's going to be preaching just a moment. You're going to want to hear him. And uh, such a good man. I know he's got good taste in music, but we'll talk about that later. But anyhow... Such a good man, and you'll want to hear him. I'm just going to share a little bit at the end, 
and uh, want to give you some things that God has helped me with and through the last few months and weeks of my life. And uh, we got some great singing. The choir was wonderful. Thank you, choir. Thank you. That was wonderful. And uh, it, songs that lift up the Lord Jesus Christ, that prepare us to worship him. That's what it's all about. So we're excited about what God's doing. Now, in the mornings, I, I want you to understand this. And Brother Mike will give you the exact times at the end, and he'll tell us exactly place to be in just a casual setting, that kind of thing. But the, the morning sessions is not just for preachers. How many... And just raise your hand. I know you do. I know the answer to this question. But how many love the Bible? That's why you're here. We, we know that. I, I know that's a silly question. If you love the Bible, and if there's any way possible, get to the morning sessions. And uh, we'll, we'll be able, it'll be more of a teaching setting, more of a casual type setting. So we'll be able to dive in a little deeper and uh, over in the fellowship hall. And uh, you're going to enjoy those sessions. You'll have a wonderful time. And I think each session, we'll, we'll try to go about 45 minutes, what, what, whatever, the, whatever they have planned. And uh, then we'll take a little break. Now, some of you may be able to make it for one session. And uh, maybe you can't get to the early one, but you can come to the second one, that kind of thing. So just get involved in it. We'll have a wonderful time. So we're excited about what God's going to do there. And then every night, it's just going to be Bible preaching, just, just the Word of God. And uh, not necessarily a message about the Bible. It's going to be a message in the Bible. Not necessarily a message about expository preaching, but it's going to be an expository message. And you're going to love that. You're going to enjoy it. So we're excited of what God's going to do in the next few days. And we're thrilled about what God wants to do in the next few days. I want Sister Michaela and uh, Brother Cogan, you singing with her, I want them to get ready to sing. And uh, then after they sing, I'm going to introduce our first speaker. And it's so good to have Michaela and Brother Cogan. Is Haddon here? Haddon's here, ain't he? There he is, old Haddon, named after a, uh, well, I ain't going to tell you what he's named. He's named after a Power Ranger and uh, Charles Spurgeon. That's all I'll say. But anyhow, and uh, love, love to have Brother Haddon here. He'll be singing pretty soon, I'm sure, not too long from now. And they're going to sing a wonderful song, and uh, that, another song that just lifts up the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't you love good songs about doctrine? And uh, I, lo I love all kinds of music. But when we're worshiping the Lord, I want to hear songs about doctrine. I want to hear about my Savior. I want to worship the Lord. And uh, what they're getting ready to sing is one of my favorite songs. So Brother Cogan, it's so good to hear from you. We're going to hear from him soon. Michaela, thank you for coming. And uh, y'all sing this great song. Get us ready for the first message. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground. Firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace. When Christ alone who took on flesh, fullness of God in helpless babe, this gift of love and righteousness, scorn 
done by the ones he came to save till on that cross as Jesus died the wrath of God was satisfied for every sin on him was laid here in the death of Christ I There in the ground his body lay, light of the world by darkness slain, then bursting forth in glorious day, up from the grave he in life no fear in death this is the power of Christ in me from life's first cry to final breath Jesus commands my destiny and no power of hell no scheme of man can ever plunge turns or calls me home here in the power of Christ I'll stand and no power of hell no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls me home here in the power of Christ I'll stand on Christ the solid rock I stand all other ground is sinking sand all other ground is sinking have brother Jake Potter with us come on up brother and I want to introduce you and uh, two or three years ago maybe maybe a little longer than that I started hearing this name and uh, brother Jake is doing such a wonderful wonderful job now many of you knew him long before I knew him because he's kind of been in this area for a few years and that God is blessing his church and uh, he was on our podcast and he made a statement and I, I, I don't know I may have heard it before but when you said it it impacted my life and then when he was on the podcast with me and Kogan, and he made this statement, and it, it made me think. So, so, so it, he's, he made this statement about expository preaching. Some of the greatest messages have been expository messages, and some of the worst messages have been expository messages. But he went on to explain the difference is what they just sang about, the power of the Spirit of God. And that you can preach verse by verse, and I've heard it, you've heard it, and men just talk about them. And it's nothing more than a lecture. But when God begins to bless and God begins to move in that message, that makes all the difference in the world. I think there is a generation.
in these last days that is getting a hold of that. And I think there's a generation that has figured out. It's, it's not about the emotionalism. It's not about, and, I, and man, I'm for praise. And if God tells you to run up down these, make sure it's the Lord, but man, just run, whatever. If God tells you to swing from these chandeliers, just make sure I'm out of the way because I don't think that's God. But anyhow, I'm for all of it. But I'm here to remind you, it's not about my opinion. It's not about what I think about the Bible. It's about the Bible and what God says. And uh, that impacted my life. So, Brother Jake, we are so honored to have you, privileged to have you. You come preach to us this evening. Thank, Thank you, you, Brother. Love you, buddy. Let's get our Bibles open tonight, Luke chapter number 2, and let's dive right into the Word of God. Thank you for being here, honored uh, for the invitation to be here. Luke chapter number 2, we'll begin reading in verse number 41 when you find your place. Uh, let's stand for the reading of God's Word, if you would, tonight. Luke chapter number 2, we'll begin reading in verse number 41. The Word of God says this, Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. When they had fulfilled the days as they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem. Joseph and his mother knew not of it. But they, supposing him to have been in the company, went a day's journey, and they sought him among their kinsfolk and acquaintances. They found him not and turned back again to Jerusalem seeking him. It came to pass that after three days they found him in the temple sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard them were astonished at his understanding and answer. When they saw him, they were amazed. His mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And he said unto them, how is it that ye sought me? Wished ye not I must be about my father's business? And they understood not the saying which he spake unto them. He went down with them and came to Nazareth, and he was subject unto them. But his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. I want you to note verse number 25. This is awesome. Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and with favor with God and man. Let us pray tonight. Father, we love you and we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you that it's always right on time. Lord, I believe that we're all here on purpose tonight. God, I believe that you have something for us these next few days. And God, we don't come to hear from men. Father, we come to hear from you. Lord, I pray that you would do in our minds and hearts what I cannot do and what only you can do. Lord, I pray that you'd grow each one of us. Lord, I pray that we'd see you high and lifted up. Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your love for us. Lord, we thank you for your mercies that are new every morning. Lord, I pray for each individual that's sitting here tonight, Lord, all going through different things. God, I pray that your, our hearts would be encouraged tonight. Lord, I pray that you would be uplifted. Lord, we love you. In your precious and your holy name we pray. Amen. You may be seated tonight. In our text tonight, we find ourselves tw 12 years after Jesus' original presentation in the temple. He is, a, he is now a boy, almost a teenager, 12 years old. He is, his childhood is very quiet in Scripture. Here we find him and his parents in Jerusalem. He's 12. 12 years have passed. And could you imagine, first of all, when I read the Bible, I want to think about what's going on. Could you imagine, first of all, being Jesus' mom and dad? Now, I couldn't imagine that. I have a daughter, and she was not, I think she's perfect. My wife did not, okay? But could you imagine being the father or the mother of Jesus Christ? Could you imagine of being the brother 
or the sister of Jesus Christ. Now, there was times where I felt like my parents thought my sister was. Somebody help me tonight. I don't know if you had parents like that or a sister like that. But could you imagine being that? Could you imagine being Jesus' teacher? Look, I want to look just quickly tonight at this text, and let's look at what 12-year-old Jesus was like. What did he do? What was he like? Look at your Bible in verse number 41. Now, his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. So every year they would take a trip from Jerusalem to Nazareth with this caravan. This trip would be about 80 miles. The purpose of this trip was for the feast of the Passover. The Passover, you know your Bible, was one of three major feasts that they would, three major national events, Pentecost, the Feast of Tabernacles, and then the Passover. Old Testament law in Deuteronomy 16, 16 required the men, listen, to come and to present their sacrifice. This was a celebration of deliverance by God from Egypt. And listen, remember when they, all the way back in Exodus when God delivered them, that was something that they would celebrate every single year. Aren't you thankful for that day that God delivered you? I'm thankful for it. That's what the Passover would represent. Look at verse number 42. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. So they went up. They would ascend up into Jerusalem. Hundreds of thousands would literally ascend to Jerusalem for this feast. It was a family event, and it was a national event. Jesus was 12 years old. The next year, he would be 13. This was significant in the Jewish culture. He would be considered a man on his next birthday, his bar mitzvah, and he would be a member of the synagogue himself at the age 13. So at the Passover, this is what would happen. First of all, the priest was to take the leaven that had been gathered by candlelight from each family and ceremonially burn it in the temple. Next, they would come and they would prepare for the slaughter of these Passover lambs. About 3,000 uh, sacrifices would begin, about 3 o'clock the sacrifices would begin. A ram's horn would sound in unison and each family lamb would be slaughtered. The priests would be in two long rows. They would catch the blood of the lambs in silver basin and then they would douse the base of the altar of incense. The Levites would be looking over singing from the psalmist Psalm 113 through Psalm 118. They would begin to sing these songs as the lambs were dressed. The lambs would then be taken home and roasted and eaten by each family member after sundown. Then the family would quote psalms and pray. Many of them would return to the street for celebration and for further worship and prayer. Understand, this was a big deal. This was them remembering what God had done. And let me just say this, it's important that we never forget what God's done in our lives. That's something all through scripture that God emphasizes is this, listen, Christians often, since the children of Israel, we've had short-term memories. Listen, we've forgotten so quickly what God's done. And if we're not careful, let me just say, we'll, we'll forget what God's done. If all He's ever done in your life and my life is delivered it out of Egypt, He's done enough tonight. And listen, that's what they were celebrating. So they would travel to Jerusalem for this holy day, this time of worship, this feast. Look at verse 43. And when they had fulfilled the days... As they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem. And notice these words. And Joseph and his mother knew not of it. Man, these days, so they'd been there for days at this point, and the feast is over, the celebration is over, the deliverance is over. It's time for that caravan of these thousands of people to head home. But look what happens. Jesus missed the bus. He stays in 
Jerusalem. Could you imagine being Jesus' parents and God gives you one job and you lose Jesus? I mean, here he is. They don't know where he is. Look at verse number 44. But they, supposing him to have been in the company, went a day's journey. So they, listen, they thought he was with him, and I can't imagine this. My wife would kill me if we left my daughter at this age, and we go a day not knowing where she is. So they're traveling for a day. They just assume he's with some family or he's some friends. Look at your Bible. And they sought him among their kinfolks and acquaintances. So they begin to look for him. Man, they assume he's here. They're traveling. Look at verse 45. And when they found him not, so they've lost him, they turn back again to Jerusalem seeking Jesus. So they're like, we've got to get back to town. We've got to find Jesus. Verse 46. And it came to pass that after three days. So he's been, he's been missing for three days. For three days, 12-year-old Jesus has been by himself in Jerusalem. They found him. Look where they find him. Now, I don't know about you, but 12-year-old boys, most of the ones I know, once we dismiss church, they ain't hanging out in here. Okay? They ain't going to be asking questions. They're, where are they going to be? They're going to be out the door. They're going to be playing. They're going to be getting dirty. Look where Jesus is. Look at this. They find him sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking questions. For three days, Jesus has been in the temple. And I want you to notice, this is so important. Listening and asking questions. Listening and asking questions. Learning and growing. Look at verse number 47. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and his answers. There was something different about this young man. This 12-year-old discussing God's Word. No doubt the Sanhedrin and the rabbis were blown away by Jesus, the questions and the answers. I wonder how many of these leaders would be part of the crowd, by the way, that just a, just a few years later would be crucifying him. But they listened to what he's sharing. They listened to what he's saying. Look at verse number 48. When they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. Verse 49. And he said unto them, How is it that ye sought me? Wist ye not I must be about my father's business? The first words recorded of Jesus in, in this text, by the way, since he was 12 years old, you know what they are? I need to be about my father's business. First thing that he's recorded speaking. Man, when he shows back up on the scene, look at verse 50. They understood not the saying which he spake unto them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth, and I, this is interesting. This is Jesus. This is the God-man. And was subject unto them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. Even Jesus, as that earthly human, he was 100% man. We know that. He's 100% God. Even Jesus submitted to his authority and to his parents. It's interesting. But here's the text verse I really want us to look at tonight. Verse number 52. And Jesus is talking about, are y'all hearing me tonight? It's talking about Jesus. And look at this. He, even Jesus, what, what the text is saying here, look, you see the next word? Jesus, what is it? He increased. He grew. Look at this. And Jesus increased, not just in stature, but look at it. In wisdom and in stature, and look at this, in favor with God and with men. He increased. He grew. 
He advanced. Luke chapter 2, verse number 40 says this, And the child grew and he waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. So when you think of stature, he's growing physically. When you, when you think of favor, that's grace with God and man. Here's the point. Here's just a quick message for you, and I'm going to get out of the way and let Brother Dale bring it tonight. Listen, if Jesus needed to grow in wisdom and in stature, and in favor with God, and in favor with man. How much more do you and I need to make? Because here's the, here's the point. We're all either moving forward, or we're moving backwards. We're all tonight either growing, or we're dying. And I'm afraid I'm in different church about every single week, and the more people I'm around that have been in church their entire lives, what ends up happening if we're not careful? We start getting comfortable with church. We start getting bored with it. The songs don't move us like they once did. The Word bores us. Listen, we've all got to make sure that we are growing and we're moving forward. You know the purpose of this meeting is for us to refocus and understand that every single one of us tonight need to make sure that we are growing in the Word. Listen, there's always, as you begin to dig into the Scriptures, as you begin to mine it out, man, the Word becomes alive to us. And we, hey, this book is not boring. Let me help you out. Save you some money on cable and go read the Old Testament. Man, there's some wild stuff in there. Man, there's some awesome stuff in there. Man, he is our example tonight in growth. He grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. I want to give you three practical things from this text real quick. The first one is this. Jesus did not waste opportunities to learn. He's a 12-year-old boy. He could have been out there playing with frogs like everybody else. But where do we find him? He's in the synagogue asking questions. And learning. He was in the temple. He, each one of us, let me just say this tonight, should be willing to learn and to grow. If you're in here tonight, and I'm not trying to be mean to you, but if you think you know it all and you don't need to grow and learn, this is for you tonight. You need to get a fresh revival in your heart and say, listen, God, I'm not what I should be. God, I don't know you like I should know you. I'm not, because if you're in this book, you're going to find out, hey, every one of us under the sound of my voice, we ain't all we think we are. Listen, we fall short. When we look at ourselves in the mirror of God's word, I, I see myself, i got a long way to go. Man, I, I've got to be growing. We can, you know, by the way, we can all learn from each other. Was Jesus the only one teaching? What does it say here? He was asking questions. Man, we can learn from each other other man we need personal study we need preaching and teaching a person who is unwilling to learn is unwilling to grow a person that's always got to preach and I've met some it's always their turn to preach listen every one of us need preaching every one of us need teaching we will not grow we will not move forward if we're always just giving out and not taking in person unwilling to grow. listen and this goes into every area if you're unwilling if you're unwilling to learn in your work you're, you're unwilling to, to grow in your workplace if you're unwilling to, grow, to learn in your home, you're, unwilling to, you're not going to grow. If you're unwilling to learn in your hobbies, listen, you're not going to grow in them. You ever, whatever it is, if you don't put the time in and you don't learn, whether it's business, whether it's family, whether it's your religion, whatever it is, listen, you're not going to move forward. You've got to be growing. I want to just encourage you this. Don't waste an opportunity to learn and to grow. When you come into church, can I just say this as kindly and graciously as I can tonight? If we're not careful, church will become about everything that it's not. Rarely. When I hear of preachers getting, getting troublemakers and having problems, rarely is it anything to do with this book. Rarely. It's usually something stupid. 
something selfish. It's like, oh, I don't like that song. Well, maybe God does. Somebody help me tonight. You know? Whatever. Listen, we've all got to be willing to grow. I mean, we've all got to be willing to get into the Word. Don't waste opportunities to grow. Hey, when you come into church, come with an open heart. Receive the Word, the engrafted Word. Come with an open ear. Hey, come saying, God, I need to hear from you tonight. Listen, so often we come in and we go out those doors and, and we think that, oh, the Word's not... I, I know your pastor's well enough to know this. If you're, if you're coming here, you're getting fed. And if you feel like you're not, you have nobody to blame but yourself. Because when the word speaks, it does not return void. Man, when the word speaks to a believer, man, it is manna from heaven for us to feast on. Listen, it doesn't, you know, sometimes we'll fall into this trap, this personality cult trap. And if the preacher's not doing cartwheels and jumping off the platform and spitting like a wild man, we're bored with it. Hey, if it's this book, it ought to light a fire in our hearts. Hey, if it's this word, oh, it ought to do something inside of us. He did not waste opportunities to learn. Second thing I notice in our text, he submitted to his God-given authority. Even Jesus submitted to his parents. He obeyed his parents, his authority, his parents, his boss. <laughs> I hear people, well, my boss... You ever heard, I know Christian, you're a lot more spiritual than my people around here. You ever complain about your boss? Can I just tell you, God placed that boss above you? That authority? I had somebody one time, Brother Dale, one of my staff members one time, said, I don't work for you, I work for God. I said, good, go see him Thursday and get your paycheck. I tell young guys in our, I tell young guys all the time, complain about their boss. You go, you go take a mortgage out. You go put your family on the line. You go start your own business. You don't see the blood, the sweat, and the tears that have been paid to get what they have. All I'm saying is this, even Jesus submitted to the authority that was in his life. Man, think about it tonight. We buck so hard against it so often. Man, are you learning? Are you growing? Are you wasting opportunities to learn? Are you submitting to your God-given authority? And then I want you to notice this third one. I'm done tonight. He grew in his relationships with God and with man. There's two great parts to the Christian life. The first one is my relationship with God. The second one is my relationship with others. And y'all lean in and listen close right here. If your relationships like this aren't right, your relationships like this ain't right. I've seen bitterness kill a whole lot more churches than addiction, than adultery. Listen, bitterness, if, this, if these relationships aren't right, y'all listen to me, this relationship is not right. My relationship with the Word, my relationship with prayer, my relationship with serving and worship, my relationships with others. You say, I don't believe that. First John chapter 4 says it this way. If a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, this is some strong language here. He is a liar. For he that loveth his brother whom he hath not seen, how can he love God who... Is there? See, it's easy to follow a list of rules. You know what's hard? Living in unity with other brothers and sisters in the Lord. It's easy to check off some boxes. You know what takes a spirit-filled person? Man, a person that shows humility when they don't get their way. You know, you find out who somebody is when they don't get their way. It takes a spirit-filled person sometimes to step back, not have to get the last word in. Matthew chapter 5, listen to this one, this is tough. This is the greatest sermon preached by the greatest preacher ever lived. Listen to this. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, 
and there rememberest that thy brother hath ought against thee? Listen to what it says. Leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way, and first be reconciled to thy brother, and then come offer thy gift. This is all, this is all it's saying. Listen, he began to grow in favor with God and with man. Part of the Christian life is growing in favor with man. Man, it's being able to get over things. It's being able to forgive. I mean, your unforgiveness and my unforgiveness, you know it hurts us a lot more than it hurts that other person. The great Disney theologian said it this way. Some of us need to let it go. I don't know if y'all, okay. In his book, Lee, The Last Years, Charles Braceland, Charles Braceland Flood reports after the Civil War, Robert E. Lee visited a Kentucky lady who took him to the remains of a grand old tree in front of her house. There she bitterly, listen, she bitterly cried that its limbs and trunk had been destroyed by federal artillery fire. She looked to Lee for a word condemning the North or at least sympathizing with her loss. After a brief silence, Lee said, Cut it down, my dear ma'am, and forget it. It is better to forgive the injustices of the past than to allow them to remain. Let bitterness take root and poison the rest of your life. Man, that favor with man. And I just say this to you now, as I close, it's just the open little appetizer before Brother Dale comes. You're here tonight, and I'm just telling you, you're looking at a person that I, I held bitterness for 20 years about something towards someone. I'm talking about something heavy. I'm talking about a family member. I'm talking about terrible hurt. And I'm not the hero of this. I'm just telling you this. One of the greatest days of my life, outside of my salvation, the day I married my brown-haired, brown-eyed goddess, okay, that I'm married to, Sarah. One of the greatest days beside those two days when I let that thing go, I remember it was like it was like a cloud and a weight was lifted over off of my shoulders. Listen, it was it, for me that was the next step in my growth. I just want you to think about this. I'm gonna pray. Man, are you growing? Some of us are sitting here tonight. We've been in church for 20, 30, 40, 50 years. I don't. That's great. But are you moving forward for the Lord? Man, some of the best servants, hardest workers in our church, some of the best preachers, are some of the ones that have been there forever, Brother Dale. Still grow, and I'll have some men come to me back at church on the end of a service after preaching. I mean, I, I love when some of the old saints of God come and they said, "Preacher, I, I've learned so much. I'm reading my Bible again. I'm moving forward. I, I'm ready to get busy for the Lord." Man, I want to encourage you these next couple days. Man, if, if you're off and rather sitting at home watching the prices right, come up here and sit in these classes tomorrow morning. Grow, learn, move, move, go forward. You're either growing tonight or you're dying. Jesus never wasted an opportunity to grow. Jesus submitted to his authority. Jesus grew in favor with God and man. Let's pray tonight. Father, we love you. And Lord, I do thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you that so often there's, Lord, there's principles that are so simple for us. But yet they're so hard to live so often. God, I believe that, Lord, each one of us needs to grow. God, I know that I do. And I pray that you would start with me tonight. Lord, I pray these next couple days that I'll learn, Lord, and then I'll be able to grow. And Lord, I, I pray that we'll learn to love your word a little bit more. Maybe reminded of how good it is. Father, I thank you for this time together, Lord. I thank you for your people, faithful. Lord, thank you for your love for us. In your name we pray. Amen. I want our brother to come just to place something. Um, you can come on up too, brother. But I want our brother to come just to place something softly before we sing this congregational. Because the truth of the matter is, what, what we just heard is really what this meeting's about. We, we can't go forward in a meeting like this, a specific purpose for this meeting, until we deal with these things. Let me ask myself this question. Am I willing to grow? 
I remember when years ago, me and Brother Mike started talking about these meetings and God had so burdened. Well, let me ask myself this question. Am I willing to learn? Now, I wish I could get up here and, and, and I wish I'd be honest in saying this, but I wouldn't be honest if I said this. I wish I'd say, oh, absolutely. Because there's so many times I'm not willing to learn. I just went through the worst time in my life, and I'm still there. I'm still there. My wife passing. This church has been so gracious. Brother Jake, there's been many lessons that God wanted to teach me in the last few months that I didn't want to learn. I didn't want to learn them. There, there's things that you'll learn in the valleys that God wants to teach you through His Word. They're hard lessons. So I'm going to admit to you in the last few months of my life there's a lot of things God was teaching. God would send men. Brother E.V. Hill preached a great message. A friend of mine recommended it, and I listened to it, but I didn't want to learn from it. So we can't go forward yet. we got everything planned, everything's organized, what it should be for the next two nights, three nights. Sessions, we're ready. Everybody's prepared. But we're going to waste our time if we're not willing to do exactly what that preacher just said. If a holy God would humble himself enough to ask a question, who am I? So I want to do it this way, and uh, our brother's just going to play. Maybe it's your seats. Maybe you need to come to the altar. I probably need to come to the altar for this one. Our arrogance, our pride is to another level in this generation. I wonder, maybe you don't want to come to the altar, but maybe you do. I know I need to. But I wonder who, our brother's going to play, and I'm going to pray just a moment. I wonder who wants to come. Maybe some young people. Maybe some mother. I found that young people are more willing to learn than mothers and fathers, so maybe some mothers and fathers. Thank God for the grandmothers, grandfathers that's in this building. The preachers that are... But I wonder who's willing to say, Lord, these next few sermons and sessions and services, God, I need wisdom. I need help. Father, I, God, you give us exactly what we need. Lord, I need this. So help us now to surrender ourselves to learning, to wisdom, to growing. Lord, whatever I need the next few days of my life, help me to be willing to accept it. In Jesus' name, brother, you play. We're just going to pray for a few moments.
it with me now. Let's stand. Oh, how I love Jesus, Lord. How I love Jesus. Why do we love him? Because he first. That's amazing, isn't it? Let's sing that chorus one more time. Here we go. Sing it out. Lift up your voice. in a congregational and if you're still praying just keep praying obey the Lord thank you preacher that was wonderful exactly what we needed it's amazing how God works these things out if there is a parallel passage to that scripture and I'm going to do my best to preach it and it's an amazing thing how God does these and how God plans these and I'm excited about what God has given me for a few moments. Brother, you come, lead us in a congregation. We need to stand, sing out a little bit, lift up our name, and then Brother Mike, you come after he said. I'm going to get our ushers. Our ushers will come up. We're going to take up an offering while we sing this. Everything that you give in these offerings will go to the uh, meeting this weekend. We've got out-of-town guests. We want to take care of them. We've got food for them and things like that. So everything that you give in these will go to be a blessing to these men and their families and uh, we are thankful that they're here. What, a, what an amazing start. Amen? Yeah. What a great message. Boy, that was just absolutely on point, and we praise the Lord for it. Jason, would you ask a blessing on this offering? Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you uh, for this place, Lord. We thank you for these men that have come this way, and we thank you for these people, Lord. We pray as we uh, give back to you what you've already blessed us with, Lord, that this money would be used to further your kingdom and to uplift your name, we pray in Jesus' name. Page 155, Revive Us Again.
no stranger to us, and uh, we thank the Lord for, I, I, I remember this, uh, we heard Dale somewhere, and we were preaching, and I'll never forget Ronnie, maybe he preached here one time, and Ronnie said, you need to have that guy back. I said, I think we can make that happen, and uh, several times during the different, uh, he would come and do spring revivals for us, be with us in Jubilee, and was always just a blessing, and our hearts and prayers have been with him. And uh, it's, I know that it's not been easy. I can't even imagine what he's been going through. And, uh, but at the same time, the grace of God has been all over him. And we thank the Lord for his testimony. And I believe Adley's going to sing. And then Dale, you come around and open up the word of God. Thank you, brother. Thank you so much. Well, it's been a wonderful place to be. And I want to just take the rest of the time this evening. I will not be long. I know there's school, work tomorrow, that kind of thing. And uh, we got breakfast early tomorrow. We sure don't want to miss that. And I want to sing a song that's been so special to my heart the last few years. And uh, then I, I, brother, it's amazing how God worked this. And we shouldn't be shocked. God's just like this. But I, I just want to extend the message in another passage that you've already heard tonight. And then we'll close this evening out, get ready for tomorrow. I, I want to say this and make this statement sincerely. I love my Bible. I fell in love with it a long time ago. And uh, it's amazing. For weeks last year in my life, God was silent. I would try to read it, and I couldn't. And it hurt so, so bad. December 5th of last year, God began to speak again to me. And it was so sweet. I love my Bible. I'm not really worried about the cover. I understand we've got convictions about versions. I understand that and I believe that. Pastor Sexton put it best. If we emphasize the cover of the book more than the book, our emphasis is wrong. And that this is not about any debate at all, at all, because there's no debate in my heart. There's no argument in my heart about this. But if we know more about the history of the version of a Bible, then we know more about the Bible. Something's wrong. So I'll tell you what let's do. Let's just get in the Bible. Let's let everybody else argue and fuss, have their debates. Let's just get in the Word of God and fall in love with the Bible. And then there won't be no argument. There won't be no debate. We love the Bible. And this song has been such a blessing to me because we do love the Word of God. Have you ever thought about this? I've never seen the face of God, but I've read the face of God. I've never kissed the face of God but I've touched the face of God. That's how real the Word of God is. Why would we want to preach anything else? <laughs> Why in small groups, devotion time? Why would we want to go anywhere else than the precious Word of God? Adley, you sing it. Then I, I'll just take a moment and I'm going to preach these words. I'm amazed every day when I sit down and open up the 
the Bible Sometimes I sigh Sometimes I cry Sometimes I feel my spirit hath revival It satisfies my soul And it's hope that I can hold oh Lord, I thank you for the book you've given Word of life, breath of heaven Perfect truth from page to page That you preserve from age to age From Genesis to Revelation Anywhere I Leads me straight to Jesus. Lord, I thank you for the book, the master plan revealed to man, written in red by hands of inspiration. When questions rise, to read it meets me at my needs lord i thank you for the book you've given a word of life breath of heaven perfect truth from page to page that you preserve from age to age from genesis to revelation anywhere i phrase leads me straight to Jesus. Lord, I thank you for the book. Lord, I thank you for the book you've given, a word of life, breath of heaven, perfect truth from page to page that you preserve from age to age, from Genesis to Revelation, anywhere I look, every phrase leads me straight to Jesus. Lord, I thank you for the book. This evening, just for a moment, I want you to turn to the book of Colossians, chapter number three. Colossians chapter number 3, in a moment I want to begin reading in verse number 12 this particular portion of Scripture we find in the pages of the Word of God. We understand this, if I am any type of student of the Word of God, the most vital key to my Bible study is considering the context of the Scripture. When you study any book of the Bible, whether it's the Old or the New Testament of the Word of God, we are well aware of the divisions and the dispensations that are placed in the Word of God. But in considering the dispensations and the divisions, we must also understand that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It is given to the children of God for every age, for every time, for every moment in your life as a child of God. So as we studied the book of Colossians, and I, I want to encourage you, I know these are very busy days, but possibly in the next few days of your life, read every chapter in the book of Colossians, and you will find in its context 
every verse, every chapter, even every phrase, it is speaking of the preeminence of Christ in the life of the child of God. This is something that I've failed at as a Christian. Every moment, Christ has not been preeminent in my life. Even every day, Christ has not always been preeminent in my life. But the Apostle Paul is reminding us that the preeminent one, thank God for our family, thank God for husbands, wives, children, grandparents, mothers and fathers, but Christ should be the only one that is preeminent in the life of the child of God. So as you study a phrase or you study a paragraph in the Word of God, you must keep in your mind that in this particular portion, the Apostle Paul, though writing under the inspiration of the Spirit of God, he is showing us that Christ should be preeminent in all levels of the life of the child of God. Now, understanding this subject and dealing with this preeminence of God in the life of the children of God, notice verse number 12. If Christ is preeminent, Colossians 3 and verse number 12, here's what Paul said. Put on, therefore. Now, I understand in verse number 8, Paul, in the first paragraph of this chapter, he's telling us some things that we ought to put off. We ought to take off of our life spiritually as a child of God. But now he is making a step. Now the Apostle Paul has built a bridge. If Christ is preeminent, there are things that we will take off of our life. There are things that do not belong in the life of the child of God that you must substitute. It is not a matter of just the negative. It is not a matter of just don't do this and don't go there and don't wear this and have this and all of these types of things. Paul said, no, it's not about that. If Christ is preeminent, yes, there is the things that we put off. But Paul said, now it's time we can put on some things as a child of God. So let me say this in the exposition. Number one, look at the clothing of the child of God. Verse number 12, we are, we are putting on. It is the spiritual apparel of the child of God. I love this phrase, as the elect. That simply means this. This is not for the whole world. This is not for everybody. This is not for those that have never put their faith and their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. This is for those, what we are putting on, what we are learning as a child of God. It is for those that have some time in their life, they have trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. I think sadly and many times harshly, we have tried to tell the world that they should do this and they should do that. And sadly, we try to change people that are not even saved. They've never been washed in the blood. Uh, can I say it this way tonight? If you're here tonight and you're lost without God, I could care less what you're wearing. I could care less what you did today. Uh, their greatest problem, uh, they need to be redeemed. Uh, they need to get to Calvary. They need to get washed in the blood. Uh, but after salvation, you know what Paul said? This is for those that have put their faith in Christ. As of the elect, put on therefore as the elect of God. Watch this, holy and beloved. I love this word, bowels of mercy. 
That is the, yes, there's some things that we put off. And yes, we ought to be holy. And yes, we ought to live right as a child of God. But you know what the bowels of mercy is? It literally refers to the tender mercies. As God showed us mercy, you and I should show mercy to one another in the family of God. The bowels literally means the innermost spiritual being of the child of God. It's not a matter of just the negative. It's not a matter of saying don't do this and don't go there. Paul said it's a matter of putting on those bowels of mercy. As God showed us mercy, we ought to show mercy to one another. We ought to show mercy to our brother and we ought to dig so deep in the innermost being we put on the tender mercies of God. Watch this clothing, these bowels, kindness. Watch this, watch this phrase. Humbleness. Mind. You know what the sickest form of pride is? False humility. That means we say things and act like we're humble, but Paul said that's not what it's about. It's the humbleness of your mind. It's realizing we're, we're nothing. It's realizing without Christ, we're nobody. It's realizing it's not about my if, if I have any talent and I don't, if I have any ability and I don't. It's not a matter of all those things, bragging and boasting. You know, we, we're taking off some things, but you know Peter said what we ought to put on, or Paul said we ought to put on this humbleness of mind, realizing in our mind who we really are without Christ, the tender mercies, the mind, this clothing of those of God, the humbleness of mind, meekness, Long-suffering. All of these things we should put on. Literally to put on in verse number 12 means to dress oneself. Put on. You know what Paul just said? Salvation. Oh, it's grace. It's Christ alone. There, there's no other way of salvation. There's nothing I could do to earn salvation. I couldn't work for salvation. I sure couldn't pay for salvation. That's all about Christ. But you know what Paul said? This is what we do. We put these things on after salvation. This is something God's, God doesn't force you. The greatest way to tell what false religion is is when their God makes you do something. God don't make you do anything in the Bible, but there's many things God wants you to do, and many of the things that God wants you to do, he wants you to put these things on, the clothing of the child of God. But number two, look at the comparison in verse number 13. I love this word, forbearing. That literally means bearing with, forbearing with one another, forgiving one another. Why? Well, if any man have a quarrel against any, our brother spoke about it and he spoke, he dealt with bitterness and things of like that. Well, if any man have a quarrel against any, how could we do that? Well, here's why the comparison, even as Christ forgave you, so also, what's that mean? Christ should not have forgave me. There is no reason that Christ should have forgave me. There is no purpose for Christ to forgive me. Because of my sins, I deserved a devil's hell. But if a holy God could reach down and forgive somebody like me, here's the comparison. If God could do that for me, how could I not forgive my brother? How could I not forgive my sister? How, you say, but they don't deserve it. Well, I, I got news. I didn't deserve it either. But God, that's mercy. That's grace. That's salvation. If Christ could do that, comparison, the clothing, but then the charity in verse 14. Above all 
these things, the clothing, putting on, the forbearing, the forgiveness, above all these things, put on charity. What is it? It's the bond of forgiveness, of perfectness. It is the godly love, the bond of perfectness. Love is the crowning grace, one writer said, completing the list of virtues that is required for the spiritual maturity. As of the bond, it binds all other virtues together. Bond is the glue that will cause you this love, the love of God, the charity, not, not just some emotional love, not just love that is here today and gone tomorrow. Charity is godly love that refers to perfect love that refers to love that is complete and you know what Paul said put that on it bonds everything else together if I have that kind of love I will forgive if I have that kind of love I will show mercy if I have we have emphasized living right and doing right and wearing the right things but we have forgot what should be above all else it is the love of God and if we have that type of love we will we will forgive one another. We will live a holy life. We will live a complete life. Above all else, it's the bond. It's the glue. It brings every other godly spiritual virtue together. In the life of the child of God, we see the comparison, the charity, but then we notice the character in verse 15. Let peace of God Watch this. Rule in your heart. To the which also you're caught in one body. Be you thankful. This peace of God, one commentator said, is the harmony, the concord created by God among his people. It is to rule in the verb sense. It acts as the umpire who makes the decision in the contest. Somebody said, well, should, we're having an argument now in my mind. Should I forgive him? He done me wrong. If the peace of God is the umpire, the umpire is going to say, forgive him. That they're not worth my love. I shouldn't love them. If the peace of God is the umpire, he's going to make the call. Yes, you should love them. Let the peace of God rule. Let him be the umpire in the life of the child of God. Let him be the character of the child of God. It's the peace of God that should rule the life of every child of God. And number four, and I'm done with this. Number five, look at the conversation or the word in verse 16. Here's the message. Here's the message. Watch this. Now the peace of God, he's, he's ruling. He's the umpire. We, we've put on these things, holiness and bowels of mercy, kindness, and we're, we're forbearing one another. We're forgiving one another because Christ forgave us. But all these things, we have put on charity. So here, here's what happens. Let the word of Christ. Watch this. Dwell. You know what that is? That's a residence. That's a house. You know what he said? Let the word, not words, let the word Christ live inside of you. Be, one said it this way, that is to be so familiar with what Jesus says. When all of these things come up, when the battles and the valleys and the quarrels and the arguments and the unforgiveness and the bit, but, but I'm so familiar 
The word of Christ, I mean, he, he's just living in me. He, he's, made, he's made his dwelling inside of me. I'm so familiar with the word of Christ. Dwelling. He's living inside of me. Not just dwelling. Watch the Bible. Let the word of Christ dwell in you. Look at this. Richly. Abundantly. Lavishly. One said it this way. Same word. Large. Let the word of Christ not only dwell, not only live, not only make residence, but let it richly be in you. Here it is. In all wisdom. One referred to it this way. Let, if, if the word of Christ is dwelling in you, if the word of Christ is living in you, if the word of Christ is so big, if the word of Christ is lavish inside of you, here's what's going to happen. The word of Christ will make my decisions. The word of Christ will make my choices. As a, as a father, I'm going to say a husband. That's crazy. But as a father, every decision I make, the word of Christ should make that decision. If I truly love the Word of God and if I truly want to emphasize the Word of God, how many times have we heard this? I'm a Bible-believing Christian. Then why isn't the Word of Christ living in you? How many times have we heard this in the meetings, in the revivals, in the camp meetings, in all of the great places where they shout and they run and they don't even know what they're saying and they're kicking up sawdust and you can't even hear the speaker. How many times say, what a Bible preacher. Well, what did he say? I'm a Bible-believing Christian. If I'm a Bible-believing preacher, the Word of Christ should dwell, should live. The Word of Christ richly. It should be lavish in me. Above all else, my mind, my heart, my soul. Here's the message. Adley, if you'll come and help us with this. I, I just want to close the meeting this way, and then we'll have Brother Mike come up just to begin tonight. God's been so good tonight. I'm so excited about the morning and about the sessions, and I'm excited about the breakfast, but all those other type of things, and I, what God's going to do. To, I cannot wait till tomorrow night. Brother Stephen, Brother Kogan's going to I cannot wait. Here's, here's what we got to end with. In a meeting this specific, and I ask myself this question. I say it all over the country. I've said it in different parts of the world. I love the Bible. I believe the Bible. Well, if that is true, is it living in me? Is it lavish in me? Is it so big in me? But I can't make a decision without the words of Christ. Somebody said it this way. I don't understand what they're saying. I thank God for good study helps. Somebody said years ago, I was a little boy, and somebody said, well, the words of Christ are in red. The preacher that was with us said, no. The words of Christ 
are from Genesis to Revelation. That's what Paul just said. Or Christ's words dwelling. I'm glad we got a Bible. I'm glad God, and I don't understand all this, and you don't either. Some think they do, but they don't. But I'm glad God used the English language to preserve scriptures. Thankful for that. I heard one man say that we're going to speak English in heaven. Can I make this statement? He's a very ignorant man. Speak English in heaven. Lazy language. But I'm glad God did bless us with that. Glad God gave us some scripture. If God would do all of that, why don't we just let it dwell in us? Why don't we just let it richly be so big we can't speak about the words of Christ speaking through us. Paul said, oh yes, there's some things we put off. We understand that. Sometimes we can't get past that because our flesh enjoys that in religion. Paul said, there's some things we put on. And when we start putting on those things, the words of Christ want to dwell, want to be rich. Why would we have a conference like this? Because Paul said that's how we ought to be as a child of God. Why, why would we emphasize so much this just, just saying what God says? preaching and teaching and devotion Bible study because that's what Paul said in just a moment I, I'm going to pray and I know you've already been to the altar but Adley's going to sing and I'll have you stand but I, maybe at your seats or maybe if you, if you want to come to the altar I'm sure it's always open here can we pray can we, can we close this service in such a way to say okay Lord I haven't, I'm going to be honest, I haven't really lived this way, Lord. The words of Christ, I, I got some of them in me, but they're, they're, not, they're not lavish. Many times the words of Christ, they haven't really been living or dwelling in me. So God, take this conference. Put them in me. Make it, when I, when I walk out of here Friday night, make your words so big that I can't help it. Have his word. Are you not sick of opinions? Are you not sick of religion? Are you not sick of this preacher saying this way and this preacher? Let's just let's just say what God says and let's let the word of God richly, abundantly, lavish dwell in us. Can we stand, Father? Thank you for the Bible. It's an amazing book. God, I want to thank you for what you've done tonight. What a wonderful place to be. Thank you for the emphasis of this conference. So, Lord, as we, we close this part of the meeting out tonight, Lord, show us the lack of your word inside of us. Lord, I pray by the end of this meeting, 
every one of us, your word will be so big. Christ's words will so rich, so full. We can't even speak. We can't even make a decision without your word. Thank you, God, for what you've done, what you will do. God, thank you for what you want to do. Help us now in Jesus' name. Adley, you sing. There's people. How deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure that he would give his only son to make a wretch his treasure. How great the pain of searing loss. The Father turns his face away as wounds which mar the chosen one bring many sons to glory. Behold the man upon the cross. My sin upon his shoulders, ashamed I hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers. It was my sin that held him there. i 